All right, what's everybody? Happy Thursday to you all. One day closer to the weekend. You guys know what that means. One day closer to another Penn State football Saturday. Uh, we got the sixth-ranked Michigan Wolverines coming to town noon on ABC. Um, it's a big game for both teams uh, for, for multiple reasons. We'll get into that. Talk about that game. Talk about what we want to see uh, going forward, obviously. Talk about the Maryland game a little bit. Um, we'll mainly talk about Jahan Dotson and his uh, record-setting day, where he's at in some of the All-American case and conversations, All-Big Ten, of course, maybe the Bolitnikoff Award list. So we'll talk about that. Obviously, get you ready for the games on Saturday, get you ready to go with all of that, the Saturday slate. Um, we do have a guest for you guys today. If you guys have been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know who the guest is. If you haven't been listening for the last couple of weeks, I'm disappointed, but I'll give him an introduction regardless. First, housekeeping. Uh, as you all know, these are the Penn State Quickslands. I am your host, Stephen, as always. Uh, I'm one half of the We Got Next podcast duo between myself and Christian Hayes. Shout out to Christian. You can go follow us on uh, Twitter. I am at Stephen underscore Springs. Christian is at AO Shifty. The We Got Next podcast is at We underscore Got Next. Uh, go like and subscribe to us on YouTube and go follow us on Spotify. Uh, like I mentioned, we do have a guest. Um, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know who the guest is. I'll give him an introduction. Former All-Big Ten, All-American D-Tackle at Penn State. Former third-round draft pick of the Seattle Seahawks in 2013. Super Bowl champion. Now he is the head coach at Trinity High School in the Harrisburg area. Jordan Hill. What's up, Jay Hill? What's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good, good. Yeah. Just How's the? Uh, how are? Yeah, you guys. Uh, what do you guys finish up this year? Uh, wasn't too good, but got better. We took strides from the last couple of years. We ended up three and six. Um, really, two games we got you know bounced pretty good. But other than that, we kept every other game pretty close. You're building, bro. That's all you gotta do, right? Yeah, yeah. It's one game, one game at a time, one season at a time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said uh, you guys play. Um, who would you guys pick up for next year? The little home and home next couple of years. Uh, we have Wild Missing, who have won the District Three AAA District Championship here last couple of years, and then the big one for us will be Roman Catholic out of the Philadelphia Catholic mm -hmm. League. Absolutely, that's big. That's big for. That's big for you guys being a small school like like you are and being that in that area. There's a lot of schools in that that corner of the state, um, so it's good to get yourself exposed like that for sure. Um, all right, so we'll jump into a few things Penn State football related, obviously here in just a second. Um, I'm gonna go through the list of games we got this weekend. We got Pitt and number 21 North Carolina going on right now. Uh, Pitt is up 17 nothing. Uh, rankings obviously reflect um, the college football rankings, which, again, Penn State was not involved in the top 25, but a win this weekend uh, wouldn't go a lot, would go a long way with that. Um, tomorrow night, we got number five Cincinnati traveling to take on South Florida. South Florida is not doing so hot this year, but we all know what college football is like, and we all know what that game could, could, potentially, could potentially be like. And I don't see there being an upset, but it's college football, so you never know. Rolling into Saturday with that noon hour, we got New Mexico State traveling to take on number two, Alabama. Alabama, I believe right now, is a 51.5 point favorite, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, number eight, Oklahoma takes on number 13, Baylor in Waco. 
Mississippi State takes on number number 17, Auburn. Northwestern travels to take on number 18, Wisconsin. Um, we'd just love to see Auburn and Wisconsin keep winning, make us look a little better. Um, let's see. We got number 24, Utah taking on Arizona. We have number one, Georgia traveling to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. We have number 19, Purdue taking on yet another top five team in Ohio State. This one is in Columbus. How awesome would it be if Purdue did it one more time and knocked off a top team? Um, Minnesota takes on number 20, Iowa um, in Iowa City. That's, those games are at 3.30. Southern Miss takes on number 23, UTSA. Miami takes on Florida State. That game doesn't have the marquee matchup name that it did 15 years ago, but nonetheless, uh, Maryland takes on number seven, Michigan State, up in East Lansing. That is at 4 o'clock on Fox. Number 11, Texas A&M takes on number 15, Ole Miss, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Kentucky Vanderbilt, uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Number nine, Notre Dame travels to Charlottesville to take on Virginia, 7.30 on ABC. Um, this next one is, is kind of like a basketball one. Number 16, NC State takes on number 12, Wake Forest. That is on the ACC Network at 7.30. 7.30 as well on the SEC Network. Number 25, Arkansas takes on LSU. TCU takes on number 10, Oklahoma State. 8 o'clock on Fox. That one is in Stillwater. We get to the late games, the Pac-12 after dark. Colorado takes on UCLA, 9 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network. Number three, Oregon hosts Washington State, 10.30. Golly, that's late. Um, 10.30 on ESPN. Nevada travels to San Diego State, number 22, San Diego State. Um, and then to cap it off, Utah State takes on San, San Jose State, uh, 10.30 on FS1. There is one cancellation game or a postponed game for this weekend, which I think is the first one that I've seen this season. Uh, USC at Cal, that one is going to be postponed until uh, I believe the day after the um, Pac-12 championship game. All right. Got all that out of the way. Um, I gave it the intro for Jordan. Penn State has uh, Michigan coming up this weekend. Talk about that here in a hot second. Um, just kind of recap the, uh, the Maryland game, 31-14. Penn State got the W down in College Park. I was at that game. Um, going back to what I was talking about, and Jordan, you can chime in on this. Going back to what I was talking about, uh, about the Ohio State game. Ohio State really only beat us on, on two plays. They beat us on, or three plays. They beat us on the scoop and score. They beat us on the Chris Olave touchdown catch. And they beat us on the Trayvon Henderson run, which they scored a couple of plays after that. We beat them. We, we beat Maryland on really just two plays. We beat them on Jahan Dotson's 86-yard catch and run for a touchdown. And then Jair Brown sealed the game with his 87-yard pick six. Like the pick six was kind of like the scoop and score. How, yes, pick six happened, scoop and scores happen. But for it to be an 87-yard pick six, that's kind of rare. But I really wanted to just talk about Jahan Dotson's 11 catch school record, 242 yards to go along with three touchdowns. Jordan, where do you think – I'll ask you a couple of questions. In terms of all Big Ten, I think that's a, probably a lock at this point for him unless he just doesn't play the last three games, um, which he has – right now he's got 932 yards um, on pace for about 1,200 yards. Um, Big Ten, all Big Ten, I think is a lock. Do you think he'll he'll make a make a strong case, or has he made a strong case for first team All American? And then what about what about the Belinikoff list? 
you think he'll be on those two lists? All-American for sure. First, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of good receivers out there this year. There's, there's um, a lot of good receivers in the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you got both – all you got what, three guys from Ohio State, and then you got that kid out of Purdue. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of dudes out, out in the entire country who's, who's good. So first, he might be tough, but it'd be nice to see him on the Blendikoff maybe. No, no, I think he'll definitely be one of the uh, the semifinalists here. Um, but moving forward, it's, it's, some, it's something we really need. Um, Penn State hasn't had one of those. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you know. Have we ever won that? The Lindenkopf Award? I don't think so. If we did, it was probably someone like Bobby Ingram back in the day. But we just haven't had that. I mean, I think recently, uh, and this kind of leads into my second question, recently we've had – a good run of, of of receivers going, you know, receivers and tight end. We've had a good run of those guys started with Al Robinson. Um, where do you think, where do you think John Dotson ranks amongst, among those guys? I mean, you have Alan Robinson, you got Chris Godwin, Deshaun Hamilton, KJ Hamler. Is he, is he better than any of those guys? Is he like, is it him and then A-Rob? I mean, where is he kind of amongst those guys? I would honestly say he's two. I think A-Rob's one and then Jahan's right there. Um, depending on how he finishes this year, I mean, knowing this is his last year playing for Penn State, he very well could pass a Rob. Yeah, I mean, if he if he finishes up, I mean, we have two games uh, ranked uh, against teams who are currently ranked in the top ten. Now, Michigan State could could lose a couple games and be you know drop a little further, but you know that's still going to be a, a, a you know a big time game for us to finish out the season, last game of the season. You know, it starts this weekend. If he puts up one of those, I don't think he'll have 11 catches for a 242, but if he puts up another like eight catch, 120 yards and, you know, a couple of touchdowns, you know, he's just climbing that list. And he's like, he's the definition of that player who just gets better every single season. No, yes, yes. And I mean, it's two big tasks here in the next two big games. But I mean, that'd be storybook. If he does it against Michigan, just like, you know, A-Rob did in the overtime games um, where he comes out. And we really need him to have a big game to win this one, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, we – I've been talking about – I've been talking about Sean Clifford having that game. I don't think he's had he, – he's had a couple – like, Ohio State, he had some big numbers. But if he threw the interception, he only had one touchdown pass. Um, and I've been waiting for him to have that game. And – probably for him to have that game, a large part of that is going to be, be in the hands of Jahan Dotson. And, you know, against Maryland, you know, Clifford was 27 to 47, 363 and three touchdowns, but 11, 11 of those 27, you know, receptions and 242 of those yards came from Jahan Dotson. So it's going to be sure Clifford might have the numbers, but it's going to be most likely Jahan Dotson being that guy. And going into that Michigan game, you know, as well as I do, that Michigan is going to try and take away Jahan Dotson. I mean, that's seems like the game plan for, for every team, but no one's been able to do it. But if they do it, you know, we have Parker Washington. We have Keandre Lambert-Smith. We have Theo Johnson. We have Brendan Strange. So we have a lot of guys who can kind of make up ground on that if if Dotson is, is taken away, you know, the, the targets aren't there, whatever. So I think that's a, that's a good thing. And that's, you know, Going forward, we have a lot of names who can, you know, Dotson's gone after this. His draft stock is obviously rising. It's higher than it was last year. But we have a lot of guys who can fill those 
fill those gaps that he's going to leave behind um, after he's gone this year. Um, so that'd be, that'd be good. But um, more on that, on that Michigan game. Um, we know how good Michigan is. We know how good their defense is. Offense, much like Penn state is one dimensional. They can run the ball, but they can't, they, they're, they're not going to beat you with the pass game. So putting on your coaching hat and your, your game planning hat, is it just as easy as we load the box and we, we sell out to stop the run and make them beat us with the pass? Uh, not as not not as easy as said and done. I would say Harbaugh does a heck of a job with his quarterbacks, so he's going to have some stuff up his sleeve. Obviously, um, gimmick type plays, um, but he wants to throw the ball. Right, that's in his nature. Running the ball in their style—that's not him. And a, a style of team that we are, you know, yeah, we put on tape that we couldn't stop the run against Illinois, but. Other than that, man, we've done a, a heck of a job all year. Bro, what happened in that game? What, what happened against Illinois, dude? <laughs> I mean, I was there. And that was bad. I'm sitting there, and, I, you know, I got, like, what we call end zone view uh, or butt view uh, of the game. I mean, we were just outflanked, outnumbered every freaking time. I mean, it you was – it, uh, you go back, and now I'm not saying it because this was my best game I played, but you go back to 2012 when we played Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Exactly what they were doing to us. Yep. Right? There's some alignment stuff you can make with, and adjustments you can make with your, your front four. Um, but, my goodness, not to adjust really, really hurt us. And obviously the scoreboard said that nine overtime said that, and you look at the yards that they had rushing and that's glaring. Bro. They like, they, they did the same thing every time though. It's really? not like they were, they weren't, they weren't mixing it up. And, you know, when they put seven guys on the line of scrimmage, I know Franklin said afterwards that it was something that they hadn't seen on tape. And like, I, I get that, you know, there's obviously going to be things that teams do every week that you don't see on tape, of course, but when they do it 60 something times and they do the same thing, damn near every single play and to not adjust to that and not to, because Illinois, like unlike, unlike Michigan who can at times beat you with the pass, Illinois was not going to do that. Like wow. we could, like we could have put, 11 guys in the box and they weren't going to be us with the pass. So just to, to not, to not do that. And I was, I was up in New York watching the game and I'm, I'm in a hotel room by myself while Brooke and the, the kids are doing family stuff, Bro, I was throwing everything at like, just all, I just, I just couldn't, it was frustrating because like we should have won that game. There, there's no reason why we should have lost that game, but it was more frustrating because they just weren't adjusting. And they weren't like they weren't it just it just wasn't there. So that was tough. Um, but I mean, at, at a point, you get to a desperation. And you got to just try stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, mix it, you mix it up. Um, hardest thing in doing that. Right. And the underlying thing with that is, you know, that was one of the games where it is the first game we we came back and mm -hmm. we had a bunch of injuries. Right? Yeah. So I think we underestimated a one. Um and then two, like that missing missing guys like PJ, right? That's yeah. a, a lot bigger blow than than you know the the regular eye thinks and knows. Um, yeah. 
it and it's, it's one of the, it's one of those things because if you go go deeper into the X's and O's X's and O's of it, it's like, sure, losing PJ Mustafer on the surface is is massive, um, but he was a guy who was starting to play a lot better, and he was picking up steam, and he was going to start commanding double teams, and that was going to open up open up a lot of one on ones for guys like Arnold Abicady and the linebackers and other D tackles, and so losing a guy like that and having to put in other guys who just weren't weren't that that was kind of the like the the bigger the bigger picture thing and that's that's kind of how you know how things have been for us we've we haven't had this defensive line well yeah like epicady is is killing it and he's up there you know in, in in the country and tackles for loss and sacks and you know he could have a strong case for all american you know one of the teams and of course all big 10 but we just don't have like that dominant interior defensive lineman and pj was kind of catching you know catching up on that and picking up some steam but this is the first time in a long time i can remember that we haven't had that dominant interior defensive lineman i wouldn't necessarily we don't have a, a really good interior lineman dominant i don't i don't think we have the best of pass rushing guys. yeah yeah we we had those guys who can clog up space yeah. but we just don't have the guys who can get around like in that space and get to the quarterback and and get a lot of young guys. Yeah. And that, and with youth, you know, defensive line, especially rushing, like it's an art. So you've Mm -hmm. got to actually learn it. Yeah. The guys that are getting drafted in the first round, those that's the rare breed. Those are the guys that naturally can pass rush. They have a natural movement um, and just a knack for it, but it, it, it's hard. You know, it's an art and you have to learn it. Yeah. Who were, um, I know you played with, and we'll, and we'll get back to the Michigan game in a second, but I wanted to kind of touch on that. I know you played with guys like Devin Still, and you were kind of behind him, and then you were ahead of Daquan Jones. Who were some of the other guys that maybe you looked at when you got there that you kind of learned from and you kind of like took on that art of the of the D-tackle spot? Yeah. Well, my first year was Jared Odrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Jared Adric and how he moved and him being a local guy, he's from Lebanon. I grew up in Stilton, you know, it's 15, 20 miles away. I uh, grew up playing for the same AAU team. I was on the younger age team, but, you know, seeing him. So naturally going up there, that's somebody I'm looking to. And then he's a projected first rounder. And, you know, flat, flash forward, he gets picked, I think, what, 28th overall. Yep, so yep. Rolling into that that was a guy that you just had to look up to. And then obviously coach Johnson renowned as, you know, the best defensive line coach, no matter the level. Um, he's telling me, watch this guy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so he was a guy, um, a unsung hero for me, Ali Agbu. Uh, some Penn Staters will remember that name. Um, and even before that, I'd watch guys and he was a defensive end, but he wore the same number as me, Josh Gaines. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that moved really well. He was an inside-outside guy, could pass rush inside. Um, and then he just watched the tape of Coach Johnson. Um, first guy to get hands-on with me up there before Coach Johnson, you know, because it was an NCAA rule, is actually Anthony Spice Adams. So Spice, sure, yeah. Spice was the first real person to teach me, you know, the techniques of a nose guard. At that level. he was a he was a he was a beast back in when, when he was at Penn State. Oh yeah, oh, yeah he yeah. was on the he was on the D line. Yeah, he was on the D line with uh, Jimmy Kennedy, Michael Haynes, 
Yeah, they were they were they were nice back in the day. And I mean, he's and he's he he was he was kind of your size, right? Yeah, yeah, a uh, little shorter, uh, but can move, man. Had great yeah. lateral movement. Um, as you watch his videos, and he's very famous now, even more so than he was playing. Um, his hips, his feet, man, he he can he can move. Yeah, um, yeah, and we've had, you know, we've had we've had some big names, big big name defensive tackles come through. Like you know, it was what your uh, your junior year. It was it was you and Devin Still, and then your senior year it was you and you and Daquan Jones. So you know, and it's kind of continued. It, it kind, I mean, obviously, it was going to fall off a little bit after Coach Johnson left, and um, some of those guys, obviously, uh, unfortunately, some of those guys that we likely would have gotten had he stayed at Penn state now ended up at Ohio state, but um, you know, and you see how, w- what he's doing with the, the D line at Ohio state. I mean, he turns out guys left and right every single year and he's been doing that his entire coaching career. Um, so it's nothing new for, for those guys. Um, but back to, back to Michigan, how, how important of a game is this for, for the program? And that was kind of um, one of the bigger questions I wanted to ask, like, not only just this game, but as a whole, where do you see, where do you see the program at? And are we heading in the right direction? And what are like, what are some of the things that we need to do, whether it's recruiting or on the field? What are some of the the things that we need to do that get over that hurdle? And that hurdle is usually, you know, Ohio state. Yeah. The hurdle, I would answer the hurdle first offensive line. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna win, you're not gonna win many games with that one. No, no, and that's where we lose, right? We always yep. seem to lose right then and there. Um, and honestly, man, we we haven't had a dominant offensive line. I think 2016, 17, uh, those guys were good. Those guys are having really good NFL careers right now. Um, but that was the best one of of late. And then you really got to go back to 2008. Yeah, yeah. Right? The last. O line where we was like you, hey, we're going to maul some guys, um, and just kind of pound the rock and run it whenever we feel like it. Um, so we need we need to win that. Um, but back to the like the Michigan game, uh, it's huge. It's huge for the program. Um, it's another home game. It's another big game. It's a top ten, right? Top ten home game. Yep. Um, we have big time two thousand what twenty four recruit number one player in the nation or number one quarterback in the nation. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's always important to you know you know show out and impress. Um, but moving forward, obviously, all the saga with 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 Coach Franklin possibly leaving this year. Um, some of that stuff's put to bed. It's cooled off a lot. You know yeah. that, that first. Yeah week of it um where that's all you could see national Mm -hmm. television all any sport penn state sport you know uh show that's what they were talking about um so we got to continue to win i don't think he wants to leave that's that's the biggest thing out of this whole thing yeah it's recruits ah yeah it's good for the program ah we want to possibly go to the rose bowl but priority number one is keeping coach franklin yeah because we are in a way better spot than we have been, even when I played, right? We had tough football players, I think more so now than this team. 
and just like real football players. But these kids are talented, man. Well, yo, and that's and and that's the thing. Like, there's a big difference between like guys who are like football players and just so happen to be super athletic than kind of the guys you have now that are really good athletes that just so happen to play football. And, you know, I'll just, I'll ask you this on, on, because I'm sure everyone wants to know, you think, do you think Franklin stays not just after this year, but, you know, beyond, I guess, if you will, for the next three, four or five years? I honestly do. I do. Um, You know, I got a, a unique opportunity to be up there a little bit more than others. Um, he loves the place. He does. He does. No matter what people say on the outside or, you know, what they, they say he is because of the recruiting on today's generation, today's game, the recruiting is number one. Yeah. Number and he's, one. and he's, I know the, the results on the field don't always, you know, back this up, but he's definitely one of the better recruiters in the, in the country. And for what, obviously we have no idea what he's telling these kids and I don't know what he's saying in terms of playing time or what they're going to, you know, what they're going to do, you know, what they can be like in the NFL, whatever the conversation is when he's going to these kids' homes and whatnot, but he's definitely one of the better recruits recruiters in the country. But the thing is, and what we've started to see is now he's like, he's getting these kids in and he's developing them, but we're still like a couple of those of those pieces away. And you know, as well as I do that stars don't matter on the recruiting trail. Like it's good to have, you know, when you look at rivals or whatever, whatever recruiting site you're looking at, it's nice to see that you have a couple of five stars, your top five recruiting class. And like, yeah, you're getting, you're getting those kids, but it's getting them on campus, getting them in the weight room, getting them right academically, obviously, and just kind of getting them developed into top tier you know, big time college football players. And what were you were a what? You were a three star. Yep. Yeah. And you turned you turned in into an all American an all big ten in the first round in the first round, probably, third round draft. Probably pick. not a kid that that Coach Franklin recruits coming out of high school. The Penn State. What we're trying to do right now, I'm probably a kid that's overlooked, or I'm a kid that, hey, they didn't get who they they wanted. They're late. And Kind of just like my situation, right? Mm-hmm. I got a late offer from Penn State. Obviously, I was committed for a year, but it would have been a late, late offer if anything. Sure. Yeah, and it's you know I think I kind of had this this not theory, but I, I guess it would be theory that like when he first started out, he kind of had to make that decision of okay, I might not be able to get who I really want, but I need to get who I like kind of who I need just to like fill the space and to like get these guys in here, try and develop them. And, you know, you mentioned it, like some of the offensive line that we had, they weren't the, the best, but like they were, they, they developed enough and they became, you know, a, a sustainable, decent offensive line. But now we need to take the next step and we need to get kids in here who are, kind of like those mean, nasty kids that you see at, at Georgia and Bama, those, those those teams that can run the ball consistently. And I think, like, over the last couple of weeks, you're starting to see that. I mean, it's it's taken forever this season for whatever reason. Uh, pass, pass blocking, we're good. You know, at times, we're, we're great. We can give Clifford enough time. 
but, and I just started seeing it against Ohio state and that's, you know, the measuring stick really is there was, there was some physicality there. It wasn't a lot of it, but I saw more than I've seen pretty much the entire season. And that's what you need. You need to have those kids who are physical and get like, you know, we need to win the line of scrimmage in every single game, not just against Ohio state, but against Illinois, against Rutgers and Michigan state and all those teams. So, yeah, I think, um, I think that's a, you know, you said it first offensive line. That's, that's priority. Number one, we can get the quarterback. We, it seems like we have that kid coming in. We can get the running backs seem to have those kids coming in. We're getting the skill guys, we're getting the tight ends, you know, we're building defenses, but you know, obviously none of that matters if you don't have, if you don't have those guys up front. And I don't need, like, I don't need Wisconsin's offensive line from 2012. Right. No. Like I don't need, I don't need five all Americans across the board. That'd be nice, but we just need to like, like that core group of two or three guys to really take charge and, you know, maybe be an all, you know, all big 10 or whatever, but like, we just need those guys. And you mentioned the 2008 team they had was Newski, uh, AQ Shipley, Johnny Troutman, a bunch of those guys. And those were like hard nosed, true football players. And that's the, like you said, those are the guys who are football players who just so happened to be athletic. Yep. And now you get the athletes who are playing offensive line the guys who are former basketball players who might not have that physicality, but that's, you know, that's where the development and where the coaching comes into play. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Um, all right. So I've wanted to talk about this. You and I've talked about this plenty of times, um, but in this type of setting, we've never talked about it. That 2012 Wisconsin game, bro. Yeah. yeah that was, I mean, that got you into the third round. Essentially. Bro, you had 12 tackles, you had eight solo tackles, you had, I think, two and a half, two and a half tackles for loss and two sacks against that Wisconsin team, against Monty Ball. Um, I, think, I think they had James White on that team. Yep. Um, and they had, obviously, well, one of the better – they had one of the better offensive lines in the entire country. Did you, like – that was, that was obviously – so I'll kind of back it up a little bit. So – you and I met originally, I worked at the Penn State golf course that summer. I worked there um, summer 2012. And then you had an internship there. We met that way. Um, and then when the sanctions came around, which was like a month or so later, um, your two roommates were Justin Brown and Silas Red. And we'll talk about, talk about that 2012 team, the potential of it here in a second. But those guys, obviously, everyone knows they left. Uh, Justin went to um, Oklahoma. Silas went to USC. Um, and then you needed a roommate and then you asked me and it was Daquan Jones as well, um, for that, for that fall. And obviously there was no, no postseason for you guys, no bowl game or anything. So that, that Wisconsin game, not only was it senior day, it was your last time at Beaver Stadium, last time playing for Penn state, you know, last game in college before, you know, before the NFL came calling, um, you know, being a senior and everything. Um, and you had knee surgery, what that Monday? Yep, that next Monday. Yeah. Um, going into that game, knowing all of that was was all true and knowing it was what that game meant to everybody in the stands, all the players on the field, the coaches, Coach O'Brien, the Letterman and everything. Did you like that mentality? Like, did you have that going into that game? Like, all right, I'm about to fuck shit up because it's my last game, last game at Penn State. I'm, I'm just going to do this and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it was my last time playing in Beaver Stadium. 
right? There was, it was the first time all year that it was just like, there was an end to all the chaos. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you knew after that game, especially for me, I'm like, all right, I will never play football here again. There's no mm-hmm. possible way that I ever can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, lay it all out on the line. Yeah. And I can remember, so a buddy of mine was the president of Nittanyville at the time. And I was sitting, I was sitting front row right next to, right next to the tunnel. And like, I knew that your, your, your knee was bothering you because you had heard it earlier in the season. Um, and then, you know, I, that the Purdue game, I think it was, I thought you were done for, for good I, that game when you got, you got hurt, but it actually ended up being a good thing that you got hurt the way you did. Um, but I remember it was the last time you guys were coming in to the tunnel before coming out for the senior, uh, senior uh, send off or whatever, whatever it is. Um, and you just like, you know, we just made eye contact and it was, and I looked at Alan and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, yeah, he's, he's about to go off on this, on this team. Now I didn't think you were going to have the game that you did, which, you know, like we said, essentially got you into the third round. Um, and you just, took over and dominated and you know i think the announcers were even saying like that was one of the better games that they've ever seen a defensive tackle play um so that was a i mean you really couldn't have and we won the game on a on a missed field goal so you really couldn't have scripted it a better way to go out and then for you to have the game that you did and and do what you did and kind of earn yourself that that spot in the in the draft you couldn't really couldn't really picture things especially yeah of all the chaos and everything of that summer in the season starting the way you did um yeah you probably couldn't imagine it going a better way to end that to end that season no no i mean we we were a lot everybody forgets we were down 14 nothing at one point yeah yep, <laughs> yep. already going to the big 10 championship yep and everybody in the stadium was just like all right we're getting our ass kicked. Yeah, it was like, bro, it was, it was, it was quiet for a little bit, and then things just. Yeah. And then it was, got, a, it was a running back you forgot, Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That was. Remember he, he, was took, the, he took like a swing pass, eighty yards. For yeah, that he was, touchdown. he was, he was a star. He was, I think, he was a starter on that team. He was a true freshman. Oh, it was, it was him, James White, and Monty Ball. Yep, were the backs. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a wild backfield. Um, but about that 2012 team, and you and I have also talked about this plenty of times. If nothing happens and there's no sanctions and everyone stays, you got Justin, you got Silas, um, you got Anthony Farah, Kevin Haplia, you know, there's a bunch of guys. I think you had 10 to 12 guys who eventually who eventually transferred. And they all yeah, most of them were big time guys. Um the the possibilities of that team going. It was it was just the it was just the BCS still at that time, um, but the possibilities of that team going that far were definitely very realistic, with with all that you guys had talent wise on that team. And you guys, people forget like 2011, you guys started off eight and one before everything happened. Yeah. The only loss was to the eventual national champs Alabama that year. Yeah, and we were so, the first game they had until they played LSU when it was seven six. Yeah. So that, that 2012 team could have been, could have been really, really something. Um, 
All right. So I want you real quick. I'm going to give you, give you some teams. And these are some, some recent teams that have been around and been better teams since, since you came along. Um, I want you to rank these teams one through five in terms of where you like, how good you think they could have been um, and where you, where you rank them at. I'm going to give you eight teams. I want you to rank five of them. The, the best teams on this list. And no, don't try not to use any bias on this one. Right. 2012, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2011, uh, 2009. That was your freshman season. Right. And then I'll throw in 2019 uh, with Micah and this team this year. If Clifford doesn't get hurt, who's, uh, who's, who's the best potential team out of, out of all that? Oh, that's potential, not not their actual record. Well, best record you can you can say, but I think like you guys, best potential. You guys might have had the best potential out of out of those teams, but best potential. Yeah, we'll go with best potential, not just what not what their record was. It might be this year's team if you're saying if we still have Micah. I mean, if we saw Micah, if we saw Micah this year, yeah, hell yeah, we would have been. Yeah. 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 We're not losing the game this year. No. If you look at that defense, how they're playing, and then you add who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's like, crazy, too. Come on. That, but that, that, that also that, uh, that 2017 team with Saquon. And Gasicki and McSorley and that's Hamilton. Really, I was that's the 2016 team, so I will probably go with them. 2016 is probably number one. Obviously, they won the uh, yeah Penn Championship. They struggled there early, um, then turned the thing on. Um, potential after that, uh, maybe this year's team or 2009. Yeah, that 2019 was was good. It wasn't talked about enough because no, we had two losses to Iowa, mm -hmm. number four in the country, and then I think it was number two Ohio State at the time. Um, both at Beaver Stadium, obviously it was that hurricane when Iowa played. Yeah, we score on the the first play of the game, free flicker, mm -hmm. um, and then Claiborne blocks a point. Yeah, it takes that to the house. Yeah, and we lose. Um, Ohio State beat us pretty good. I think it was by 10, but they controlled us all game. Um, but arguably, you know, two top five linebackers in history are starting outside backers, Sean Lee and Navarro Bowman. Yeah, Navarro Bowman, speaking of him, he doesn't get talked about enough in terms no, of – No, not enough. Because he was, he was right after – no, he was 2000 – He his – Freshman season was what 2006, 2007. Who's that, Navarro? Yeah, his senior year. No, his, his freshman year. Oh, first, yeah, freshman was 2006. Yeah, so he came in when the starting linebackers were Puzlesny, Dan Connor, and Tim Shaw at one point, and, and then Sean Lee. So he came in kind of at the wrong time, but he does not get talked about nearly enough as one of the better linebackers in, in, recent, in recent memory. Oh, he was probably the most athletic. You know, he had a North Carolina basketball offer. I did not know that. Fun yeah. fact for fun fact for everybody that's listening. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, obviously, we've had we've had legit linebackers over the last 
you know, what, like 50 years for God's sakes. Hey, Varro, Varro was one of the most intimidating too and, and didn't have to say two words. Um, other than that, I said, I would say the potential for the 2012 year, one loss if we have everybody. Maybe one, like if maybe that, one loss. Because we, yeah. still, we still took it down to the wire against Ohio State. It was what, 34? And that was, and and that was they, at home too. Yeah, and they blew it open. They, they scored the, the last two late there. Um, obviously, Braxton had one of the most yeah, remarkable, that, rememberable, that, 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 everything, one-yard run. Yeah, never, yeah. I, don't, I have never seen a better one-yard no. run uh-uh. since then. So. No. And I, if, if everyone goes back and watch that play, he got uh, – no, Carlos – was it Carlos Hyde? Carlos Hyde got drilled. blown up. Sean Stanley drills him. Blown up. And everyone thought that he had the ball. I mean, that and knocks that, him back pretty far. Yeah, that knocks him back a good four or five yards probably. He got blown up. But that was just a good keep by, by Braxton Miller. And I think the right – He had it covered. It was the right defense. Yeah. Everybody did their assignment. He, yeah. just, he made two guys – two guys miss. And, and then, then jumped over someone. Jumped over two. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Speaking of Braxton Miller, is he in your in your college days? And I know you played against a lot of guys, but um, was he one of the like the best players that you played against in college? Um, yeah, yeah, Braxton was good, man. He he, one of the most gifted, one of the best if not best that i personally played against that is one of those guys that'll make you miss yeah he will you, make you miss he will shake he, you can't touch him in a phone booth correct me if i'm wrong but you had a good a good hit on was it trent richardson in that 2011 game yeah i got him pretty good yeah i, I, think, you, pretty good. I think you and devin still both had a, devin both had a big hit on him at all yeah yeah devin <laughs> He, yeah, he got yeah he got that ball quick too. Yeah, that was like the old Madden NCAA. Yeah, yeah, that was like a that was Jadavion Clowney before. Yeah, yeah before Jadavion Clowney. Um, so speaking of other other big time players, you know, you were third round draft pick of the Seahawks. You played with you played on the Legion of Boom on that like historically great Seahawks Seahawks defense that got two Super Bowls in a row. Who knows what could have happened if you guys would have won that second one. Um, did you ever have a, a welcome to the NFL moment where you were I feel like, I feel like that's a, like, that's a dumb question to ask guys, because obviously, you know, you're in the league, but and you obviously know that it's going to be different, but did you have ever have a moment where you were like, all right, like, this is, this is real shit. Like this is a lot more than I expected it to be. Yeah, we were playing uh, Ofer Buccaneers team. Hadn't won a game. Shiano, I think it was Shiano's first year coaching down there. My rookie year. Um, I think it might have been the second game I'm playing in. Um, they actually were winning 20 to nothing. And they hadn't won a game. And we were rolling. We were undefeated at the time. Um, and they throw me in playing a three technique. I'm playing a guard and the center comes and just like chips my hip. I go flying like seven, eight yards into the, like into the Buccaneers bench. (laughs) 
I'm like, what the hell just hit me? Um, and then I watched the film and I'm just like, it's embarrassing. Uh, but first time that that ever happened to me, like in my life of playing where I just got like physically bounced, bounced out of the club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like me on my 21st birthday. Yeah. 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 Bouncers got me right up out of there. Yep. Yep. Um, and you always told me, um, like, you know, once you got to the league, we, you know, I started asking more questions about that because you were the first person that I ever knew that was in the league, but you were saying the guys that you were playing with, you know, they might not have been the most like athletic or most talented or whatever, but you said the dudes in the league were way smarter than you would have ever thought. Oh, they were like, yeah, they were, they were, they, they were, they weren't like, they might not have been better than certain guys, but they were just like smarter. And you, one of the guys you mentioned was, was Richard Sherman, not the most athletic guy, but he was one of the smartest players during his, his prime too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously he's, he's very fast. He's, I think he's a four, 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 five guy. I mean, that's very fast. Um, I'm, he's six, three, like he, he is an elite athlete, right? Yes. God given, God given ability, but he's yeah. unorthodox, unorthodox. Yes. So when you watch him, he's, it's not what you like. It's not what you drive or it's not what you like create a player. Yeah. Um, like he's but, never like he's never going to be compared athletically to Deion Sanders. No, no. But he just but knew he like knew angles and tendencies and all that kind of stuff. Tendencies. He knew the play. Like absolutely knew the play. Um, oh, no. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Um, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was unreal, unreal. And between him, Earl and Cam. Yeah. Like you knew what exactly was coming. The, the one interception I had in the league, Cam told me, right. Told me exactly where it was going. Who did you, um, who did you pick off? I think I know the answer to this, but I don't want to be wrong. Sean Hill. Uh, that's not, oh yeah, you, you yeah, uh, you guys are playing the, the Rams, right? Yep, playing the Rams. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I got two more questions for you. One more NFL question, and then one about about Saturday. Um, yeah. Best player you played against, whether mm-hmm. it was an offensive lineman or or anybody on the opposite team. And I know that's a that's a loaded question, like it was the college one, but very very, very loaded. Uh... Julio was the most impressive. Wow. Julio or or maybe Adrian Peterson was the most like, oh, my goodness, I'm playing against Adrian Peterson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I looked at him, all I seen him doing was running down the, 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 the sideline as a freshman at Oklahoma. Yep, yep. And I'm trying to tackle this dude. Yeah. me. Yeah, right. That's that's the other thing. Like you got like you got dudes who are who might not seem like it like on TV, but when you get up to them, yeah, they're they're as big as you are. And a lot and a lot and most of them are a lot faster than you expect to. Yep. Yep. I'd say another underrated one who was like I mean it was just crazy to watch him play was Marshall. Yeah. 
yeah and some of the some of the stories you told me you know it's 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 believable like some like the things that he does but yeah i can i can imagine what that's like seeing him and you saw him every day you know you saw him practice you saw him on and off the field and you saw him in you know big time game situations what he could do and he wasn't like he was never never getting stopped by one person no no you never seen him first tackle good luck because that wasn't happening. Yeah. Sean's a great dude. Like, that's the one thing that people don't understand. Um, people that, you know, kind of don't understand him and where he's from. Sean's a great dude. Um, he used to always mess with me because, I mean, you know, good as well as anybody else. Like, I don't, I'm not a big talker. Yeah. And when I get in big group in front of big groups, like, yeah, I can say a word. I don't say two words. No, nope. right? big nope. time observer, and he would always try and like mess with me in a Marshawn way, um, trying to break the ice or whatever it may be. Yeah, I feel like, and he's just not like what you know, especially on like that team when you had so many personalities and so many different different personalities from Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, um, Richard Sherman. You know, you had a bunch of guys like that. But then you got a guy like Marshawn who was just different than what the media wanted. And I feel like they knew the media knew what they were going to get with him, but they always wanted something different and they just weren't going to get it because that's, because that's just who he was. So yeah, that's cool. Um, are you still with me? Yep. I'm here. Okay. Um, all right. Last question. And then I'll get you out of here. Um, what is it going to take for us to win on Saturday? And what is your, what is your prediction? Uh, I mean, we talked a lot about it. Offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. This is probably the most talented defensive line we're playing so far. Uh, obviously, Coach Jay always has Ohio State ready to roll. But they got potentially two first-rounders on the D-line. Yep. yep. Um, so – that and then you would think that they're planning for Jahan, but I think they're going to be prideful. They're going to let their their four and maybe pressure us and try and get get to Sean. No, nobody's really trying tried to get to Sean since he's been hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to pressure us, and, and our receivers going to have to make tough catches. Sean's going to be throwing on the run. Yeah, and prediction. What do you got? Mm, 24-17 Penn State. All right. I expect you to pick us to win, but you never know. All right, bro. Hey, I appreciate you as always. You know how it is. We'll um we'll do this more in the offseason. Um and we'll get it, we'll get it going again. But yeah, I appreciate you as always. Um and we'll, yeah, we'll talk soon, bro. We'll have a good one when we're uh on our way to, to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. Oh, all right. I feel you guys heard it here first. We're gonna make a run. Well, we're going to be on our way to Pasadena. Jay Hill's paying for it. Yep. All right, bro. Hey, I appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Yep, without a doubt.